going through the strange sensation in this special of talking about something we actually know about. Welcome to Hand of Pod's final Copper America special. gentlemen if we sound like we're slightly rushed while recording this it's because we are as usual i'm i'm sam kelly i'm here with both of the dams and we're joined by a very special guest tonight uh somebody who some listeners may have possibly come across before uh he writes he runs a website on the argentine national team in fact across all sports not just football and that's exactly what he's here to talk about tonight Seba Garcia, welcome to Handapod. Hola, gracias. Hello. We you first okay of all, English, yeah, I can I can try and do it in English. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good. The the setup this week, we're going to try and keep similar to the previous specials that we've done when we didn't know what we were asking questions about quite so much. So bear with us if we end up butting in the three anglophones among us. Um, but by and large, we're going to be trying to ask Seba about his impressions on his own national team going into this Copa America in Argentina. Do either of you two want to, to start, or shall we...? Um, no, just let's uh, get Seba's... Um, well, we know the squad, so, and we know that he's named 26, isn't it? Uh, and there's three to be cut. So, quickly, I guess you're not going to... Yeah, remember the squad off, by, off the top of your head, or at least tell us who's likely to be cut, and, hmm. and then give us the highlights of the squad. Well, um, the, 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 the controversy with... Uh, between Batista and Teres is over, also with Aguero. Uh, Argentina played the last friendly at home against Albania, and it just finished just before we started recording this, and it was a 4-0 victory with goals from Aguero and Teres in the second half, Messi and Lavezzi scoring the first. Um, I think that the four I just mentioned are definitely in. Uh, it's got, they're going to stay, uh, and they're going to play Copa America. And... It's, it's a curious one because um, originally Batista named 26 and Copa America squads were going to be of 22 players and they added a, an additional spot. Comebol added a, a, an additional spot last week. So now of the four players that were going to get cut, only three of uh, only three of them are going to get cut. And I have a feeling that one is going to be Enzo Perez and another one should be... and. Any Mundo de Celestes long-time readers will be surprised to hear this from me because I'm a big fan of Diego Milito, but I don't think he's his time with the national team right now. I mean, he deserved many, many opportunities in the past and he didn't get it. And now he's called up to this preliminary list, but I don't think he did enough lately. And I don't, mm-hmm. frankly, I haven't seen him play much lately. So because of injuries, because of um, Pazzini and Eto'o getting uh, more minutes than him uh, for, for Inter. So now I think Diego Milito is another candidate to, to be left out. Um, and then you have to look an, into the defence and, and probably Luciano Monzon is going gonna, gonna to be a candidate to, to get the axe. Because Cambiaso, who is still a, a bit of an injury doubt, is, is recovering 
uh, well, so he's, he's today, probably be. Yeah. I heard today in the commentary yeah. um, that he should be able to arrive to the first game, which is against Bolivia on July the first, without any problems. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I that's what I thought, and so he's definitely in, and so yeah, I think it's between them, and probably Diego Valeri is another candidate to to get cut, but he has such a great torneo clausura, I don't think mm-hmm. it would be Batista. tough for Valeri if he got left out. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, We've obviously talked about the Argentine national team quite a bit on Hand of Pod in the past, but one thing that I think we should possibly clarify, first of all because there may well be people prior to the Copa America who are listening to the show for the first time, and secondly because it might just be something that we never really thought to lay out quite so simply before, is that for a lot of our European listeners especially, they've probably not seen Argentina play since the last World Cup. What kind of system are they playing with if, if they have a system and indeed they didn't seem to under Maradona <laughs> well yeah Batista is, is trying to play with three three men up front and he's using Messi as the uh, fake number nine like not a, not an out and out striker but he's starting from, from a bit deeper and then he's uh, Batista is playing Di Maria on the left and Lavesi on the right it seems to be working and it, it seemed to be working for for the first half against the USA in a friendly in, in, in New Jersey they couldn't keep it for the whole 90 minutes but some of the football they play there was, was amazing um, and then behind them it's a midfield formed by Banega, Mascherano and Cambiaso today Lucas, today, Lucas, Lucas is, yeah. Cambiaso was unfit yeah. when, when Cambiaso is not fit you could see Viglia you could see Fernando Gago who's not having a great well not, not having a lot of action for Real Madrid but he's, he's still yeah. featuring for, for well, Argentina he impressed me today in the second half of, you know, I'm not trying to speak, to speak too much but he came on mm-hmm. and in the second half for Viglia and he gave a bit more attacking force I think to the team he kind of like stormed forward yeah, yeah you, can, you can't blame anybody for not having a lot of minutes uh, playing in Real Madrid. You, you mm-hmm. have Xavi Alonso in front of you, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Mourinho likes Diarra uh, as well. I mean, there are a lot of competition. That's uh, big competitions for 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 minute for minutes in in Real Madrid, and perhaps not so much for Argentina in that position. Um, so yeah, that that's what Batista basically likes to to put on on, uh, on the field. And the back four seems fairly safe. And about right? four, yeah. With with Sanetti still there, and deservedly so. And Marcos Rojo playing as a left back. Pablo Zabaleta could do it as well. Could you uh, say a few things about Rojo? Because I know it's a player probably more than anyone in the in the team at the moment that European listeners wouldn't have seen that much of. Yeah, if we have anybody listening in Russia, maybe they know him, but uh, or any diehard stu- Studiantes fans. Um, he used to play for Studiantes, of course, and under Sabela, and everyone for Studiantes played very well for under Sabela. And then when Sabela left, it wasn't the same story. And, and he left when Sabela left. Just before the start of the clausura, Sabela yeah. left Studiantes, and they were champions of the Apertura and just before the start of the second part of the Argentine season Sabela left uh, and, and and a new manager came and it wasn't the same the same players that were there but it wasn't the same chemistry and the same uh, ef- uh, effectiveness mm-hmm. from the team so Rojo emigrated and, and went to play for Spartak Moscow and uh, honestly I'm, I'm not seeing much of him week in week out but he's a He's a fast left back. He could join in the attack. He's um, a bit more uh, 
how can you say a bit more uh, ductile with the ball at his feet than Gabriel Heinze was perhaps <laughs> perhaps Heinze was not, better, yeah, 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 not surprising there but perhaps Heinze was better defending and, and better in the air but I, I like what I'm seeing from Rojo and Batista so far um, do you, do you my main concern would be the pair of centre-backs center you know with, uh, today he uh, against Albania uh, Batista used uh, Burdizo and Gabriel Milito it seemed to be his first choice right? yeah, yeah. those yeah, th- those two seem to be first choice and I kind of see where Batista is coming from with Milito because he's, Batista is a, is a manager that always says uh, how much he, lo- he loves to have the ball played on, on, on the floor, on the ground. And Milito is, is very good at that. Perhaps the best centre-back we have, but maybe his defensive aspect, the defensive aspect of him is not so much uh, reassuring for, 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 for Argentina fans. And his form, he hasn't been playing much for, for Barcelona. Uh, so... Perhaps that plays for his advantage, and he's not going to be very tired. <laughs> but we, we never know. On, on the plus side, you've got a fairly promising young player at right back, at least. Mm. He's the first choice. Yeah, yeah, he's a operation. new kid. Uh, very beautiful hair for for an actor, <laughs> uh, Javier Sanetti. And yeah, I think he's he's still the best at, at that position, uh, the best of the players born in Argentina. So. I think he, he deserves to have another go and, and finally win something with with the national team. And then this ridiculous talk about him being cursed and being the reason that Argentina oh, haven't yeah. won anything. Yeah, since ask Inter if he's cursed. Yeah, yeah. And with the many titles he won with, with them. And also we saw today, right, in the in the friendly that at halftime um, he brought on Zabaleta and he played on the on the right, and then Sanetti switched to the left. So those both of those players are flexible, which is good. Yeah. That is, that, is, that is interesting it, it gives you a lot of options Sanetti could also play in midfield if need be so uh, I'm, I'm quite happy with with him staying on the radar for, for Argentina uh, also, but I want to ask uh, keeping on the theme of the players there seems to me at least to be one player in particular Santos being the kind of 12th man he's nearly always either the first or one of the first subs to come on Obviously, we're talking before this recent return of Telos Naguero to the Selección, and that's Javier Pastore. Yeah. It seems, and I'm not only saying this because I have an email interview with <laughs> him uh, this week, but it, it seems like a bit of a shame on the face of it that a player like that can't make it into the, the team. Um, do you think Pastore is going to be used as like a game-changing kind of player? Probably, yeah, it's but you, you also have to... Uh, Pastore fans also have to be a bit concerned or, or worried because they showed a, they show an, a, an image of the of the bench when the national team was uh, what the national anthem was being played and you could see Tevez, Iwain and Aguero mm. all hugging hugging and waiting for for, <laughs> for their chance i mean i think pastore could have the three of them ahead of him uh, when batista is looking for for substitution so maybe he's still very young he doesn't play the same position as the three i meant and ju- i just mentioned but maybe he doesn't fit too much into this batista system but he still wants to use it because maybe at some point in the game he wants to go four for two or for two uh, one oh sorry for three one two um, if if that makes any sense so yeah I think it's uh, Pastore still have a lot of years ahead of him and, and maybe 
it's a question of, of him getting one chance and making the most of it and making making it impossible for for Batista to replace him. I mean, I, I wouldn't be unhappy to see Vastor instead of Di Maria, for example. Mm. And yeah, well, as you say, he's very young as well. He's in fact, as we're recording today on Monday, it's his twenty. Second, second birthday right. today so happy birthday happy if you're listening and understanding what we're saying tanti yeah. auguri he knows some Italian so there was one thing I wanted to ask actually kind of about the tactical setup. it was something I listened to with the commentators on, in the game against Albania which was otherwise kind of a little more than a training match it was pretty pretty emphatically an Argentine win um, the commentators at one point made the point that uh, playing with these kind of three number fives, I guess you could say, Cambiasso, Lanega and Machiano, who it would be first choice. You kind of have a lot of solidity in the middle and you're going to have probably 60-70% of the possession, but their point was that sometimes you're going to be sacrificing a bit of kind of urgency going forward, like you're not going to get the ball up to the strikers pr- too quickly and you know the attacks are going to be very much, kind of you have to build them up slowly. Do you think someone like Pastore, if he was coming in, like would change that, give him a bit more urgency going forward? Yeah, but, uh, but also I think that's when Messi's uh, impressive mm. movement comes to the table. Sure, yeah. Yeah, because he he's everywhere. I mean, you, mm. he, when Argentina don't have the ball, he's helping the others, trying to, to be the first defender. And, and he's always making himself available. He's always... There for for his teammates, and I think that takes a lot of pressure out of the the three midfielders. And he's always ready to link up with with Vanega, with uh, Cambiaso, particularly with Vanega, who's yeah, they played very well together today. So I think uh, yeah, what I, what I what I meant when when I say Pastore could be used as in in a, in a variety of, in another formation like four three one two. Yeah. I meant uh, for Pastore to replace either Di Maria or Lavezzi okay. and and be the link between that, the defensive midfield and Messi and whoever plays next to Messi. Could be Tevez, could be Iwain, could be Aguero. Well, the other option is to also replace one of the holding midfielders, probably yeah. Cambiasso or something, or if Vanegas is having a, a particularly bad game, but yeah. go, go to two holding midfielders and then have a traditional enganche like Pastore linking up yeah. with Messi. But as he said, Vanega's been doing a good job of it so far, so he's definitely the, that's the first choice option now. Yeah, yeah. But the thing, the, the main uh, thing for me heading into this Copa America is something that never happened before. Uh, as a fan, I'm talking as a fan, not a not a journalist or or trying to analyze things. I'm just talking from from my heart, and I st- I'm still a fan. And I, st- I still care about the national team. Um, for me. Rooting for for Argentina in this Copa America, supporting Argentina, no matter what, would be kind of a betraying myself. In, in, in this is something I uh, perhaps I need to explain a little bit more, because I think um, what Grondona, the head of the uh, Argentine Football Association, is doing, has gone way over the top. I mean, he he has always been bad, but now it's just ridiculous, and and he's appointing bad manager after bad manager and now he's given Batista this, uh, the responsibility of leading Messi and, and the national team or let's put it the other way around the national team and the best player uh, of his generation and probably a candidate to be the best ever and but uh, Grondona has given 
Batista, the cars of this, the keys of this fantastic car he has to drive, to drive, and I'm afraid uh, he's probably going to crash it. And the thing is, if I support the national team, no matter what, I'm kind of giving a vote of confidence, or I'm kind of uh, intrinsically uh, supporting Batista and Grondona, and I don't want success for those two guys. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a battle I'm having with myself because I still want Messi to succeed. I still want him to be the best ever. Um, a lot of, uh, well, as, as I mentioned, Sanetti as well and a lot of national team players that I really like. I want them to to succeed. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I prefer Batista to be replaced and if he wins the Copa America he's not going to be replaced, so, I don't know, <laughs> help me out here, because I mean, I mean it's a dilemma, it's a horrible it's a situation. Dilemma. I mean, I'm a tenth towards the, obviously, I'm sure that we would all say, two Englishmen and, and an Australian, but I'm sure we'd all say that Argentina, as much as anything, are our sort of second national side, there's a reason that we've come to live out here after all, and, and that we write about the football here, and I tend towards saying that the players are only going to get so many chances to, to win those trophies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Messi's only going to get you know, so many chances to win something at international level before people start saying that he's never done it for Argentina like Maradona did and therefore he can never be considered on the same level, which in itself is, I think, a slightly unfair, mm-hmm. well, very unfair comparison. Um, whereas Batista and Grondona are going to continue to have lots of chances to show <laughs> that they're not very good at what they do let's mm. say mm. Or, well in one way in fact Grondona is very good at what he does of course but just not <laughs> within not a necessarily no, and, and in fact we're going to be saying in a little while and our listeners will already have heard a few days ago by the time this goes online um, one particular thing he did before the weekend just gone that he said in public about the relegation battle which was remarkably stupid that's the kind of thing that's going to keep on happening and, and you know as much as anything if Argentina do win the trophy then Batista undoubtedly is better than Maradona as manager. Well, that was, my, um, was a question I was going to ask Sarah. Like, perhaps we can assume that, well, maybe your opinion is that Batista is not a very good manager. Uh, and perhaps based on some of his, uh, all this stuff about Tevez and some of the, the idiotic things he's done. But like, in, in talking in terms of team selection and stuff, I wouldn't say he's done anything. No, he's a coach, crazy, I'd so. say, yeah. Maybe, no, ma- mean, maybe managing the players and managing kind of the press, he hasn't done particularly brilliantly. But, like, you wouldn't say. I think he's going he to. He hasn't done anything like bringing Gabbard no, or like this thing, kind of craziness. But the thing is, um, off the pitch, he's been terrible. You say it, yeah. I agree with you. And on the pitch, so far, he did some good things and bad things. The thing is, when he was appointed, there were many uh, better candidates than, than him, and you see other national teams going. Uh, you see other national teams around, and they really pay attention to who their next manager is going to be, and they don't uh, give it to anybody. And uh, I don't. I don't think Batista did enough before. Uh, becoming the national team manager uh, when he was uh, a club manager or even when he was uh, the youth team manager he failed to qualify for the under 20 world cup in a south american uh, under 20 championship he was uh, he ended up being sixth uh, out of 10 teams with argentina i mean that's in south america i, th- I don't think ever it ever happened uh, before in the past so I don't think he had a, the, the credentials or the pedigree to become the national team manager and to have this huge uh, responsibility that he has and on the other hand um, 
even if he fails, even if he doesn't win the Copa America, there is no guarantee Grandona is going to replace him. He's probably going to go again with his uh, todo pasa, everything goes, or <laughs> how, how what would be um, the, the yeah, 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 anything, goes, anything so. goes, or uh, all, all things yeah, must pass. Things yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's probably going to say that, and he's going to keep, keep him in charge, just to save a few bucks of, uh, out of the indemnization. But... Um, that's another part of the dilemma. The, the dilemma. If th- there is no guarantees, I mean, if somebody says to me, "Okay, you're not going to win the Copa America, but Batista is going to be replaced by a proper, good manager, and you're going to have three good years to prepare for the World Cup in Brazil," do you sign? Yeah, I signed, and I and I grab Felipe's fingertips, and I put <laughs> next to mine. Felipe is my son, of course. And uh, but there's no guarantee of that happening, and. and Maybe if we win the Copa America and Batista consolidates himself, which I honestly I doubt. He's been out, out coached by um, Bob Bradley for, uh, when when we played the USA. We should have won four nil mm-hmm. or, or or even uh, by a bigger margin, and we ended up getting a draw. It was impossible. Anybody who saw that game would agree with me. I mean, it was three or four goal dif- uh, difference. Uh, Goals, goals difference uh, before halftime, and then it ended up being a draw. And I think that that was just down to Batista not knowing how to close the game and how to mm. get the better of, of that situation, the best of that situation. Do you think changing tack slightly that with Argentina in playing this Copa America in Argentina is this going to be an advantage or a disadvantage? On the one hand, obviously, yeah. the home advantage is, is enormous, but it adds even more pressure than they've had to win anything previously, mm-hmm. doesn't it? One thing that is it's not uh, a minor uh, de- detail is that they're not going to be playing in Buenos Aires, and the, the, the crowd in Buenos Aires could be hostile t- towards the national team. And <coughs> fans in the provinces, they don't get many chances to see important matches for Argentina because they saw a tour of uh, Diego Maradona with the, with the domestic uh, league players and, and playing against Panama IT for in meaningless games but they got to see Palermo and Ortega and the local idols Boca, River, Boca and River idols now they're going to be uh, watching meaningly, m- meaningful games mm-hmm. and, and they're not going to turn their back against uh, Argentina. They're going to be supportive, and that that is obviously an advantage. Um, but then the final is going to be played in River Plate, and it, it could be it could be very different, a, a very different story. Um, yeah, last time Argentina played Copa America at home, it was in '87, and we didn't win it. It was Uruguay who won it. I was ten. Um, I don't know, it could, it could play both ways. I mean, if Argentina score first and, and early on, it would be unbearable for, for the opposition. And if not, it could be very, very different. I don't know if... Uh, I mean, we, we, saw the, we saw this in the World Cup qualifiers uh, last time around. Maradona said, OK, we have to move the, this venue, we have to go from, from Buenos Aires to Rosario because Brazil, is, uh, <laughs> Brazil are going to feel the pressure and they beat us 3-1. <laughs> and it was uh, I nothing. would have been in uh, one of the times, right? 6-0, really. Don't worry about So, I don't know. Frankly, I don't pay much attention to, to that part of, uh, of the game. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's... 
if you have a game plan and you you play to the best of your abilities, the crowd is not so important. I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen little teams winning in in big stadiums and with everyone against them. And um, all right, so looking at, at the opponents, who do you who do you fear the most? And also uh, tacked onto that, having a look at the group, do you, is there anything to worry about in, in your I know group? that um, Batista, yeah, Batista, Batista was saying today that he's probably is uh, identified his first rival as Colombia, a team that could surprise with their attacking talent. Yeah, just to quickly uh, make sure our listeners are aware of the group, Argentina opened up in Bolivia in the against Bolivia, sorry, in the opening match in La Plata. Um, then they play Colombia in Santa Fe and uh, Costa Rica in, in Cordoba. Cordoba. And Costa Rica, of course, have replaced Japan, so they've had relatively less time. Yeah, and also Costa Rica just played in the Gold Cup uh, for Concacaf uh, Gold Cup. I don't know how how. Uh, I believe it will be the twenty three side they're sending. They're not sending. Seven I think it's under twenty three with yeah, five over eight players. Same as the Mexican. Right. I mean, Argent. Argentina should should walk the games against Bolivia and Costa Rica, and I see Colombia as a threat, especially because a lot of their players are used to play in Argentina. They know such uh, as Teo, Teo, Radamel Falcao Garcia, and uh, many others. I haven't been thinking about the, the, their national team squad before uh, talking about them, but many of them, I'm sure, used to play for for Argentine clubs and. And many of them will probably get a, some support from, or at least they're gonna be they're gonna go easy on them. I mean, New York fans are not gonna throw a bottle on, on Radamel Falcao Garcia's head. Yeah. And, and it has to be said as well that um, one thing that nobody said around our age, who's moved to Buenos Aires recently, will have failed to notice is that there are a lot of Colombians living here now, <laughs> studying and whatnot. And I mean, I I know. You know, a fair-sized handful of, of Colombians, and several of the Colombians I know are going up to Santa Fe for the game. So it's not going to necessarily be quite as small a crowd for the visiting side as um, as you might expect from a country so far away as yeah. well. No, no. Also, I, I rate uh, f- a few of uh, Colombia's uh, players very highly, and we also what uh, Falcao did for Porto, and he's got uh, J- uh, James Rodriguez or James, that's what they call him. <laughs> he, I don't know if he's a f- regular first team player for them but he's, he's a good option and he's used to play in, in these kind of uh, grounds well, actually James won't be there he didn't make the squad he's going to play for the under 20s oh, really? in the World Cup yeah it's a very strange choice yeah. but sorry for that uh, well, good no, thing no, I'm, no. I'm here to talk about Argentina. Might just give you slightly more fear around the strength of the Colombian yeah. squad if Rodriguez is yeah. Yeah. yeah no but I mean uh, they're, they're, they're a team that could surprise Argentina mm-hmm. if I have to pick one First round match, which could complicate Argentina, that would be my, would be my pick. Right. And, and then on the group stage, assuming Argentina win the group, yes. Yeah, I see four teams like Brazil, Uruguay, Paraguay, and Chile. I think they're uh, they're going to advance, and I, I'm not so confident if we have to face Uruguay. Uh, it has never been easy for us, and they are going to be. Like coming from this World Cup semi-finals to set your mind at rest, server. If Uruguay and Brazil were both to win their groups, they would meet in the semi. So Argentina wouldn't have to play either of them until the final, yeah. at least. But it was the same. It was the same case with Chile. So it's, it's it, and it was the time. same. It happened uh, in Venezuela, uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. Uruguay and Brazil played the, the, the semi-final. Argentina were already qualified, 
and Uruguay had a penalty kick to decide it, uh, and Diego Luano missed it, and then Brazil won it, and well, they they beat us in the final, and yeah, <laughs> if. If, if they face again Uruguay and Brazil, I'm gonna su- I'm gonna support Uruguay, of course, because of course we we lost the last two Copa America finals to Brazil, and we don't want that to happen again. So if we can move on to the subject of Brazil, obviously you're here as a Argentine expert, you probably you know not not an expert on Brazilian football as well. How do you see this Brazil team? Like, if we say Argentina are favourites for now, or like are Brazil pretty much there on the same level? Well, one thing uh, that changed from the last World Cup. And Brazil were under Dunga were really really easy to hate. I mean, sometimes it was like kind of a, a guilty pleasure to watch some of the Brazil teams of old, and uh, I I was kind of uh, admiring them, not not just it's a confession. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It is. I have to say, unspeakable thing for an <laughs> yeah. No, but you have to admit it. I mean, they were they were uh, good on the eye. They was uh, they were attractive. I mean, lots of their players were really um, crowd pleasers and um, I was among the crowd so mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I still wanted to beat them of course, of course but under Dunga they were just despicable Every, er, everything yeah. about that team was yeah. really easy to hate that was the first time that was really really easy to hate everything about a Brazilian national team and now it's starting to change a little bit except for Neymar who is always diving and he's <laughs> kind of my least he's favorite he's yeah, he's my least favorite player <laughs> right now but yeah he, he has changed a little bit and, and I think I, I, I like a little bit more what Mano Menezes is doing with them rather than what Dunga was doing with them but at the same time I see them a little bit more vulnerable against Argentina and the way we like to play because we in recent times we play the kind of game they really thrive uh, playing. We went for it and we left a lot of, of room for counter-attacks and they completely destroyed us. And, and, and every time it was the same under Vasile, under Maradona. And now I don't see... If Dunga were, uh, was uh, still the manager, I wouldn't see any difference with, with Batista um, facing them again. But now Mano Menezes is, is there and they, they like to attack a little bit more and maybe we can hit them on the, on the break. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious about a potential Argentina-Brazil final, which I think could be the, the, the outcome of this Copa America. And also, uh, even if Argentina were to lose again, they will still qualify for the Confederations Cups, so I wouldn't. I don't think. I, I just said that I would prefer Uruguay to beat Brazil, but maybe <laughs> because I like Argentina to play in as many international competitions as possible, and I think the the, the Confederations Cup will, could be a good training ahead of the next uh, World Cup. Okay. Uh, if Brazil make it to the final and we're we're there, we're automatically qualified for the Confederations Cup, and I think it's a good thing. One thing that I've uh hinted at a week or two ago but I can't remember whether it was in past the one that I edited was assuming an Argentina-Brazil final Brazil do have pace up front and that's something I think Argentina will be vulnerable to mm. we've already spoken about the, the centre-backs um, which is why I'd still feel slightly uneasy if I were an Argentina fan about meeting Brazil in the final even though obviously Argentina are the, the favourites yeah. um, 
well, certainly on most of the, the European betting markets. Well, that's a good point, Seba raised, I think, about uh, at least having a, a different setup now with that solid midfield, as you said. Um, yeah. You'd fear it a lot less than being hit, what's happening, what happened against uh, Germany in the World Cup or something like that. Yeah, I guess yeah. the idea against Brazil would basically be to just choke them in the midfield and make sure the ball doesn't get to these guys like Neymar and Robinho yeah. Pato, who have the... They have the ability, they have the pace to damage Argentina. Yeah, if no, they get the ball. and I also see a, a lot of potential for Argentina to to use uh, the white men they're using up front, Di Maria and Lavezzi, to use them to just to keep Daniel Alves and whoever plays on the left, uh, because Marcelo are not, is not going to be play, <laughs> playing because he sent an email he shouldn't have sent to the wrong person. Um, it wasn't anyway. like a shoot style man. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But I mean, Brazil, Brazil are always we're, we're always famous for having the attacking fullbacks, and yeah. if we can prevent them to join in the attack, that's half the battle won. And we we never we could never do it uh, do that uh, uh, under Batista and, and Basile. I, I don't think they were aware of that. <laughs> but to Mar- be honest, under Maradona, under Maradona and Basile, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we should wrap up just with the one question we've asked all of our guests for this special server which uh, is um, who do you think your favourites well first of all how well do you think Argentina will, will do in the tournament and eliminated in first round <laughs> and in, in that case in that, who, who do you think is going to win the Copa America this year um, Brazil are my favourites the, the strongest in my opinion and they will have no pressure and you could think it's, it would be the, op- the the other way around playing in Argentina but they always win the thing if, if they don't win it it's just okay maybe it will be a bit of, a bit of pressure on, on the coach but not the players and yeah they're used to it and, and they could probably thrive on this uh, scenario on this uh, situation and an outside bet could be Uruguay for me okay yeah. And presumably, you'd be, uh, although you've just said eliminated in the first round, you'd actually be mm-hmm. thinking that it's going to be a Brazil Argentina final, as, as the rest of us are. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't mind a, a Argentina Uruguay final as well, would be fun with the two of them playing off for a 15th Copa America. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great fun, especially because we'll be there, of course, having mm-hmm. accreditation. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much, Seb, oh, for, for taking the time out to, from your busy schedule to talk to us and for thank risking you. a divorce, we should oh, say, for being here. Tonight. Thank you for letting me do this catharsis and, and, and <laughs> yeah. it was uh, therapeutic, for, therapeutic? Yeah, therapeutic. therapeutic for me. So I, have to, I have to say, as, as a River fan, that what we're about to record and what will have gone online uh, <laughs> in a few days' time, I think, is going to prove quite therapeutic as well, especially after the day <laughs> I've just had. But yeah, so for now... Uh, should we do, are we going to do predictions or... Uh, oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll each do our own predictions as well as Australian dance. Just remind us. Since it was your bright idea, Dan, would you like to go first and stick down? Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna um, lean in the favour of Argentina on this one. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, as we've seen in the last two coppers, Argentina, well, especially the last one, Argentina looked great all the way through and then got walloped by Brazil in the final. But I just think this home advantage, I, and I do think it is an advantage. I think these guys like Messi and Zanetti, they're not going to feel pressure they don't feel pressure uh, playing in Champions League finals and all this kind of stuff uh, and I, I, having the best player in the world having home advantage I think Argentina will, will just pip this one and I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, yeah Uruguay or I quite like Paraguay as well uh, or even Chile uh, knocks Brazil out at some stage right because I think definitely Brazil is totally focusing on uh, the World Cup and I think some of these, I think their forward line, even though they're, they're fantastic, as you said, Dan, uh, they're looking a bit thin. If one of these guys 
gets injured or Neymar gets a red card for, for diving or whatever. <laughs> um, I can see them sort of running out of options up front. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tip Argentina. Okay, and with with the Guays or Chile to possibly meet up. Yeah, like yeah, probably a final against Uruguay or Chile or something like that. Yeah. I'm gonna pretty much agree with my fellow Dan here. I think Argentina have got a got to start favourites and they would be my pick to win it. And I've got a feeling Brazil. I've seen quite a lot of Brazil. I've not been overly impressed with what I've seen recently. And I think people like Neymar, who's very important to their team. He could struggle a lot with the pressure of playing in an Argentine stadium with all the because all the fans are going to be against him. Obviously, <laughs> I think he could lose his head at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to predict a Uruguay Argentina final with Argentina winning. That would be juicy. Um, <laughs> I, I'm slightly less optimistic than, than my fellow Anglophones about Argentina's winning. I, I think they'll they should be narrow favourites. But after what we saw with the last two coppers, which was as done, Australian Dunn's already mentioned Argentina being the best side all the way through, and then just getting eaten alive by Brazil in the final, um, it's very difficult to shape the image of that happening again, especially after it happened in Rosario as well in the World Cup qualifiers. Not, of course, that Argentina were the best team in the World Cup qualifiers by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I'm going to reluctantly say that I think Brazil will claim a ninth title. Um, um, potential dark horses maybe to surprise a few people rather than necessarily to lose to to uh, Brazil in the final but I think Colombia might go slightly further than a lot of people outside the continent would expect because their football is definitely on the up and it's, it's happened fairly rapidly in the last couple of years as well yeah, I've, made the point, I've made the point elsewhere that they kind of didn't do anything particularly impressive in the World Cup qualifiers but you think you look at the team they have now who are all kind of like 24, 25 years old in the qualifying campaign they were all kind of 20, 21, 22 I mean mm-hmm. those two years of playing top flight European football playing more international football it could make a big difference for Colombia they're definitely one of my dark horses to yeah. at least maybe even reach a semi-final yeah, we, we forgot to mention Hugo Rodriguez who's a very good striker and Guarín of Porto Guarín, Freddy Guarín yeah. 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 uh, Zapata of who was very good in defence of the Italians they should have enough quality to just about make do with, with the loss of Gio Moreno who obviously would have made the Copa even more fun yeah. to watch it's a big loss because they don't really have another number 10 they're going to play kind of a 4 for 2 I think Yeah. But since we're not doing a Colombia special well, uh, let, let's put it this way if Colombia had uh, Giovanni Moreno they would have won the Euro 2012 <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, they would have qualified. I can see a very small obstacle to Colombia <laughs> not winning the European Championships anytime soon. So, yeah. um, excellent. We'll we'll sign off for now and, and start recording the other episode, which which will have already gone out several days ago. By the time you hear this, listeners, it's a um, space time nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> please please keep your your ears and your iTunes subscription accounts open for the next episode, of course, which is going to be a, a special kind of end of season pre-Copa America rap so anyway um, it's it's goodbye from a special guest Sebastián García hasta luego hasta luego siempre it's a very nice plug thank you very much uh, and from Australian Dan ciao panchos from English Dan goodbye and from me goodbye